0: All right, everyone. Thank you for joining another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast. As always, my name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias. We're here to talk about all things MMA. Uh, today, we have two guests. Our first guest is a return guest from last week. First guy, I think, to ever do the show back-to-back weeks, but we liked him, so we had to have him on one more time. Rafian Stotz, he just defeated Rob Emerson at VFC Victory Fighting uh, 56 for the Bantamweight title. Yeah. So, newly crowned champion. And then later we have Matt Schnell, Matt Danger Schnell. He's uh, fighting this weekend in Nashville uh, for the UFC. It's his second UFC fight um, against, I believe the guy's name is Hector Sandoval. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we're excited to get to them. Uh, We should be talking to uh, our first guest, Rafian, in about seven minutes. But before we get there, let's talk about a few things going on in the MMA world. Uh, Most notably... The rumors surrounding one Connor McGregor, which seemed to never go away, but in this case, he is reportedly fighting Tyrone Woodley. That is a fake report. I want to go out there. That was a fake Ariel Hawani. So I know there was a lot of questions on Twitter, but that's not
1: a real thing. As in, like a person impersonating? Yeah, Ariel they Hawane? set up an
0: account and it's like and it's Ariel, but the last L and or that last I in hawani is actually an L. Oh, that's so kind gross. Of thing. You know, do it for the retweets, I guess. But that's not true. Uh, There's still a lot of things going up in the date. This also was compounded by the fact that Connor posted something saying a fight announcement was coming soon. And Mm -hmm. then Tyron Woodley uh, started training, uh, started a training camp, even though he doesn't have a a fight booked, Mm -hmm. which led to everyone thinking, okay, well, something's going to happen with him. And that might very well be the case. They might have Tyron Woodley uh, set to fight and they just haven't announced it yet. And he's just going ahead and preparing, though he announced it on his Instagram, so mm-hmm. I feel like if he was trying to keep a fight under wraps, he wouldn't have done that, <laughs> you know, wouldn't have fueled speculation by saying he was going to start training camp even though he doesn't have an opponent. And there's lots of reasons why that could have happened. Uh, he might very well suspect that he's going to be fighting the winner of Damian Maya, uh, Damian Maya and Jorge Masvidal, so he's just getting ready, knowing that there's two events, uh, two pay-per-views really quickly in July. Uh, he could also be preparing in case the Michael Bisping, Georgia St. Pierre fight doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and they want him to fight Georgia St. Pierre in a welterweight title fight. That could be why, uh, you know, there's no problem with starting a training camp and, uh, in case something happens and then just stopping if nothing doesn't
1: No, And and there's, there's not a whole lot of drawback to getting people talking about you either (laughs) and getting a lot of speculation fueled around you and what's next for you. So that's good in either case, right? Got to play the game. You know, to yep. kind of, uh, take full advantage
0: of the um, internet rumor sphere <laughs> that happens and, you know, capitalize when you can. Uh, most notably this past weekend, Demetrius Johnson won and retained his yeah, man. Uh, his belt, the record-tying 10th title defense. He's now looking to break that record, but uh, still ha- the questions exist about his marketability as a star. It was supposedly, well, reportedly one of the worst-watched Fox UFC cards ever Uh,
1: what are your thoughts on this yeah I think I don't I think he's he's very marketable I think Kansas City and that that was I think the most um, (laughs) I think that was the most profitable event ever to be held in that stadium ever in terms of gate, so <laughs> that's, that's a, it's headlined by Demetrius Johnson. Fan wa- fans were very excited in a relatively new market to see one of the greatest fighters in history fight. They were excited. They showed up. Did the UFC and did Fox promote the fight? Well, nationally, no, they didn't, and so they didn't have great ratings. I think he's, an, think he's insanely marketable. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's a dominant fighter. His, he finishes many, many, many of his fights. He is a like perpetual, a human perpetual motion machine always moving. He's an, he has an interesting personality. He's a good-looking dude. Uh, I mean, he gives great interviews, uh, and uh, yeah, and he's he's been making history. So he's of course he's marketable. That's why Microsoft years and years ago were, were sponsoring him to a tune of big dollars before the UFC got in the way and and uh, and kind of effectively nixed uh, branding opportunities for for fighters outside of Reebok during the day of. If, if a company like Microsoft can, through Xbox can believe in Demetrius Johnson and think he's a way to to increase sales and, and hit a, a market uh then then he's he's marketable <laughs> and i think the ufc is not very good at um at facilitating uh n- new stars i think they it took forever for anderson silva to catch on despite his marketability and see how famous he became how big the brazil market became once again in mma um, ronda rousey and uh, and all women who have been very successful had multiple instances of of commercial success in UFC since they have recently been allowed since the ban on women was laughed at uh, lifted a few years ago. Dana White was was doing a horrible job promoting women, saying that there was there was not enough good ones out there and all this and that. So usually UFC spar- stars are made in spite of or despite uh, UFC's kind of failed attempts. I think the UFC has some particular problems promoting. Uh, people of color and people in, in, in lighter weights as well there's though the lighter weight thing could be kind of the traditional bloodlust mma fan but
0: to your point um a lot of these fighters who have become really successful like a conor mcgregor do a lot of the promoting themselves it's mm-hmm. they're the ones who blow it up i don't know that I made sure there's favorable matchmaking and those things. sure kind of right right but right. you know for and you can say the UFC helped guide Connor or let him get bigger fights because he was talking, but he also did a really good job of marketing himself too. Yeah. I'm pretty but sure he did almost brings, all of it himself. Yeah.
1: And that, you know, the attention grabbing stuff. Um, but anyways, that's,
0: that's a, a debate for another day. I guess the next challenge is, the next question is what's the next challenge for him. Is it something like, uh, Cody Garbrandt? Is it, he said he wants to fight, um, and get that record solo first. Uh, but there's also been talk of him saying he wants uh, a
1: fight with Conor McGregor. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think he knows that a you know, Conor McGregor fight would would pay big. And he's, he's said, people are talking about, even Brian Stann, uh, in, in, who obviously I have a lot of respect for and who's more knowledgeable about MMA than I'll ever be, in the ring after was, I don't know what they were telling him, the producers in his ear, but like, hey, are you going to jump up? Are you going to make the jump to bantamweight? Are you going to make the jump to bantamweight? What are we talking about? He had a whole career bantamweight. He he fought for the title, went five rounds at Bantamweight before flyweight existed in the UFC. He's done that. And he's been on the record for for years now uh, saying, I'll do it if they pay me like a super fight, right? And, and at this point, why wouldn't he try to become the, the record holder for the most title defenses? That to get to 10, might as well go for that next. I mean, he is... I, I know... Bantamweight fighters and flyweight fighters who have trained with and been around Demetrius and I've seen pictures. I've never been around Demetrius Johnson, even interviewed him uh, in person, but I've seen like photos next to him. Guys that are very, very short guys and they tower over him. So for him to go up against bantamweights, he should get paid extra. You know, he's, it would be a, truly a super fight. So I don't, I don't think he'll fight Cody Garbrandt next. Cody Garbrandt hasn't even defended his title. That's a weird fight. Well, he's got a fight. a fight booked. Oh, does he? Well He's, he's fighting he, T. Oh, oh right. Yeah, that's true. After the tough uh, season, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine he's going to go for history. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I th- it's weird that they're putting so much pressure on him to jump up right when he can make history now. Well, he said these things. Well, not really. He's he said been the consistent. One to TMZ. Well, the, the Conor McGregor one. Well, yeah. sure. Yeah, but I meant to like ban well, Yeah, to fight Conor McGregor. Sure, I think I think that's consistent with what Demetrius has said, which is I'll go back up and wait if it's for seven figures. Conor McGregor should be for seven figures. <laughs> so yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, anybody fighting Conor McGregor should get their piece of the pie. Yeah, definitely. definitely. All right, well, let's
0: try and see if we can get our first guest on the phone again. If you guys missed it, Victory Fighting FC. It was Friday night. Uh, Rafian Stotts fought for the bantamweight title against UFC veteran Rob Emerson, and he won. And it was an impressive,
1: imp- and it was an impressive. Uh, yeah, it really was impressive victory. When all five rounds, which I don't think. I don't think Ruffian, I think it's the first time Rafian has had to go all five rounds, uh, and uh, he did it. You know, and he did it against another UFC veteran. This is the second straight UFC veteran that Rafian Stotts, a former Division II national uh, champion in, in, in NCAA wrestling. Uh, has beaten this kid is definitely knocking on the door if, if he's not already in inside the UFC maybe he's already signed with them. maybe he's already getting calls but a very impressive win um and it was cool because we got to chat with him last week while he was while he was cutting weight and getting ready to weigh in he made that time for us so I'm we're, I'm definitely uh looking forward to hopefully getting to talk with a, a more well Fred victorious Rafael, because uh, he was a great interview even before uh before the win, and even while he was he was cutting weight and all that. But yeah, it was it was uh, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see him go up against a striker to go all five rounds. It was it's a tough challenge for him. And it looks like we're struggling
0: to get him on the phone. One of the perks of being a, a live show, so we will uh, keep trying him and we'll patch him through as soon as he's uh, as soon as we get a hold of him. Um, that being said, it gives us more time to talk about Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, so man. we can't be accused of yeah. people who are <laughs> yeah. promoting Demetrius Johnson. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now, I don't think. I think the situation surrounding him and his marketability is interesting. I don't think people like lighter weights, the f- casual fan. Mm. I think they like the the big guys, the knockouts, and that could go just from like the way the UFC was structured early on, mm. focusing on the heavy classes. But I mean, we could we've seen like with the WEC and. Um, even maybe somebody like Garbrandt that wow. the lower weight classes are marketable, and I mean even to that extent, Conor McGregor. Yeah, uh, I don't. Way, but yeah, the the thing that's so interesting is that he's got this Twitch thing he does, and he interacts with his fans, mm-hmm. and he's so personable. Uh, to put it in perspective, Rampage does the same thing, yeah. and yeah. he's extremely marketable right. and loved it. You know, so what's the difference?
1: There, I think, well, there's differences in their personality uh, for sure and the way they present themselves. And, and, and you know, if I want to put on the armchair psychology, I think, I think promoters are often more comfortable when it comes to people of color and promoting um, people who present themselves in stereotypical ways. And Rampage Jackson, not with his fans and not at all interviews, but often, often, and this is something he's even complained about when he was kind of pressured into doing it in Pride presents this wild man, literally like Man Beast character, he's howling and he's crazy and he's groping women and all that. Yeah, that's, that's a very comfortable space for people to treat black men in society. It's not breaking any new ground. Uh, it's, it's within the comfortable territory of boxing and, and fight promotion in general. Uh, so, Demetrius Johnson. Uh, when we're going to say, "Hey, this guy is a uh, by all accounts a great citizen, a family man, uh, a working dude, uh, and a history maker, and just an exciting, well-spoken, um, and, and and also kind of sometimes like really outspoken um, uh, fighter." They for some reason have trouble marketing him. I, I I I actually don't accept the premise that casual fans don't like lighter classes. I don't. I just don't see any evidence of that. I mean, the first UFC star ever Whoa. was the smallest guy out there, and that was how the UFC was built. Is the Smallest guy winning, Hoist Gracie. You got Uriah Faber, Jens Pulver, B.J. Penn, and some of the biggest stars. You've got obviously Conor McGregor, but and in boxing you see the biggest stars in boxing of the, light, of the, the light, lighter weight classes: one forty-seven, Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, a uh, bunch, a slew of, of, uh, of Mexican fighters through the years who are the, some of the best sellers. Miguel Cotto or back to Mexicans, Juan Manuel Marquez. Like I just don't see the evidence for that. And that I think it's important to clarify that there is different sets of
0: fans there's
1: casual fans are different than well i think the casual fans are the ones that make these guys the biggest stars when you're selling the most pay-per-views that's because you're getting the casual fans you know what i'm saying so i I actually i hear what you're saying and i know that it could be true but i actually don't i I see casual fans no yeah i I see casual fans respond well to well-marketed exciting fighters regardless of weight class right like i've just i've seen it happen over and over where you know, uh, Manny Pacquiao will sell millions. Floyd Mayweather will sell millions. De La Hoya, McGregor, Nate Diaz, BJ Penn—they'll sell so much. And like, I don't think it's—I don't think it's a real barrier as much as we—we've seen that talk a market about it. that maybe the UFC just hasn't tapped into when promoting Demetrius Johnson. I, I think that's the key. I think they haven't really put the smart or much effort into promoting Demetrius Johnson uh, personally, uh, and I think they have trouble with nuance. I don't think. I mean, I think their editorial department is are the finest storytellers in the world, like like Thomas Durbasie. But when it comes to promos and uh, a lot of the stuff they do and the way they approach it, uh, to say nothing of the fact that there's, uh, their even their their post like their poster making their graphic design departments, like many others, are being pared down now um, with with cost reductions uh, and exp- you know budget reductions from the new owners. They, I don't think they do a great job of, of telling uh, nuanced stories. And this is like you one of your pet fees with Tyrone Woodley. Like, what's the deal? Why can't Tyrone Woodley, uh, you know, a He-Man action figure in real life, who's involved in his community, a business owner, a family guy, knocks people out like movie star, movie star. Like, why isn't he getting the push? Why? And I think here is the answer. What happens with Ty, with with uh, with someone like Tyrone Woodley? You have his promoter trashing him in the weeks leading up to his last fight. That's what happens. You have Dana White, you know. Like equivocating sometimes at best With Demetrius Johnson Now he's saying he's the best And all that That's fine But I think that's the answer I think when you have a promoter Like Dana White Who will throw fighters under uh, Under the bus for no reason You know That will say There's not good women fighters Not good enough to have a division Tyron Woodley needs to shut up and fight You know He shouldn't be proud of his last fight The 205 uh, draw with Stephen Thompson A modern classic An instant classic When you have a promoter doing The opposite of promoting with certain people more i think i think that it, it becomes a real issue to me so that's a mishmash and some of it has to do specifically with johnson some of it's more general but i, I, I what i'm trying to get at is i don't think it's Demetrius johnson's fault and i don't know that it's even the fans fault <laughs> Because a lot of fans in Kansas City showed up and paid a lot more money than it cost to watch for free on Fox. They put their money where their mouth was. They showed with their money that they had interest in watching Demetrius Johnson fight to the tune of a record-setting uh, gate. So the fans are there. The UFC hasn't figured out or has not tried to figure out how to, how to really market them for, for television, I, I, I think. I think that's the uh, answer. He needs more of these Fox shows. He needs more... Pay per view headlining events, perhaps, but um, I don't think it's Demetrius Johnson's fault.
0: And to answer a question that we're getting on Twitter, yes, this is a the Rock shirt.
1: Oh, you finally! I did. I came in late. I didn't notice you had it. We were talking about this last week. I like it. Let me see the back. Uh, nice. The problem with, I, know, I know you weren't the a problem big fan of it the shirts, back, but it's bad is that they put things in the back. It's still cool this, though. The UFC.
0: I, I'll never forget. I went to one of the first events I went to. I bought this shirt and it said UFC with the event and the headliners on the front. Very simple. And I was like, I like that. I'm a simple guy. Yeah. So I bought it, and then on the back was the entire like fight poster. <laughs> <laughs> not your and style. The, that's just not my thing. Yeah. Okay, you know, but you couldn't tell because it was up there, and they didn't. Have yeah. The kind of shirt, right. So I was like, or maybe they did, and I thought it was a different shirt. I don't know. But no, anyways. but it,
1: it looks good. I know. I think I like the font. Um, I, I think it looks dope. I that reminds me, Mike. There was a a teammate of, of mine, Henry, long time ago. He's like the most quiet, soft spoken like humble person in the world and back in the day when there weren't so many fight brands he had this one uh it was a tap out shirt and at first it was just just on the front it just said tap out and he liked it and then he didn't never realize in the back it said like something like tap or snap or nap motherfucker and (laughs) this is totally not his style so he bought this thing that all this like more curse words on it than he's ever said in his life Uh, it's pretty funny so
0: Getting back to Demetrius Johnson, I'm mm. sure it's because there's people who will be listening later and won't be able to see this awesome shirt. But you should check it out <laughs> on the Sports Illustrated shirt. MMA Facebook page where we stream live, and you can watch on uh, Wednesdays. Um, Johnson, he came out and said that he hadn't gotten the belts. Oh God, yeah. That, I mean, do you think that was an overplay thing, or is that just kind uh, of a good
1: example of this is the UFC? I think it's underplayed. I think it's you know they they do for the big leagues things come up too often that are really bush league not having a belt ready in the event that conor mcgregor won at ufc 205 bush league and him having to call them out on it and then being so embarrassed that they had to go back and ask tyron woodley for his is bush league having inconsistent belt distribution Dana white afterwards says i'm going to get him his belts uh and i'm going to uh I, and we don't get a belt every time Here, here's the thing that's right, and that's wrong. What Demetrius Johnson was complaining about is that he, with all these title defenses, hasn't gotten a belt for for each title fight, when some fighters have. That is very true. I've I'm not trying to. I, I won't mention the name. I've been to. I've been while doing work um, profiling and shadowing uh, different fighters. I've been to fighters who have been UFC champions uh, and who are one title reign champions, meaning they won it at one point and they lost it and they never regained it. They had multiple belts because they had multiple title fights that they won. Michael Bisping has fought in two title fights. Demetrius Johnson claims he has two belts. That's not within... So what we're seeing is an inconsistent uh, application of maybe non-existent rules. Some guys and girls will get... Will get more belts than others, even if they've had the same amount of title fights, and that's bush league. That's weird. That's what am- I've been at. We, you know, you and I have both in like amateur fights, probably regional fights, probably. That's what they do, where they like they ask you to pose with the belt and then they take it away. That's what Demetrius Johnson says right. they do. That's weird and bush league for a gigantic company to be doing, and he, they were they were right to be embarrassed by it. And I know that
0: like T.J. Dillashaw has had a special display case made for him Mm. and you see, uh, Daniel Cormier has done some Fox stuff remotely and he has his belt. Uh, Conor McGregor famously posted the picture of his two cage warrior belts and his two UFC belts after becoming uh, the double champ. Yeah. Then, um, I know even at their own, uh, fight international fight week, BJ Penn had like a display and it had all five of his belts on display. Is that
1: two, two divisions he has been champion of single reigns. If he has five belts, it's because they gave him belts for multiple fights and right. just ranks. Well, yeah. and also
0: most notably, Ronda Rousey said that she w- she would get belts after her w- multiple mm-hmm. wins. And she after the uh, win at UFC 190 against Betch Correa, she gave Good. that belt to uh, a gym in. Um, That's right. That's right. And a judo gym. Yeah. You know, there's belts mounted on the wall. Jackson Wing. Yeah. Uh, Georgia St. Pierre's famous for having never kept any of the belts he got mm. he would give them on, he would give them to people who helped him That's along cool. the way i didn't know that
1: i like that uh so, uh, you so know. yeah when we see like hey why don't if do our fans not appreciating demetrius johnson why is that well maybe because the ufc doesn't appreciate demetrius johnson as much as they should as evidenced by something like that and i'm glad he said i'm keeping this i'm not <laughs> giving it back and all that
0: it's a cool visual though that i think would you know the he talked about the floyd mayweather picture yeah so to be able to recreate that yeah um doing it now with 10 i think would be a little premature not that he can't take the photo but i just think freaking awesome. it'd be cooler to save it for that 11th title because <laughs> it would carry more weight sure like, you know at well, that point. 11's more than 10 for sure right but could you imagine him rolling in to uh his next fight whenever that should be with his 10 belts yeah. And then you bust them all out with the 11. And just w-
1: Wouldn't that be a cool marketing device that would get fans' attention, maybe to have them tune in? Wouldn't that be a cool thing that's yeah. a
0: simple idea for the UFC to use? The other thing is boxers always come to the ring carrying, like, a parade
1: of belts. Yeah. That'd be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, but, a- a- Absolutely. And it's, it's something that catches the eye and gets people interested. Um, so it's interesting that the promoter hasn't thought of doing that for everyone. <laughs> right. So... Uh,
0: that mystery is yet to be resolved. Uh, Demetrius Johnson and his marketability, and who's really to blame? We have. I our think opinions. I solved it. Oh, I you solved think it. So? I solved it. It's not Case Demetrius closed. Johnson's fault. <laughs> stop, stop the think pieces. Stop,
1: stop thinking. I got your answer. <laughs> uh, there
0: is. There was one article that I think was on Vice Fight mm. Fightland by Jack Slack, and oh, cool. um, he said that one of the gripes against Demetrius Johnson is that the flyweight division isn't very good. Yeah. It's one of the common things used <laughs> against Demetrius Johnson. He wrote this piece saying that, not true. It's not that it's not that the flyweight division is so bad or lacking depth. It's that Demetrius Johnson is that good yeah, that he makes good people. I mean, there's that's, a guy. That's clearly the case. Uh, Joseph Benavidez, who's only lost – title fights to Demetrius Johnson right. and Dominic Cruz two of the best pound for pound fighters right. in the world. Right. And so that's a from you know if there was somebody like yeah. that in any other weight class right. they would never that weight class would never be thought of as a yeah. weight, especially if one of the guys the champion held two wins over that guy. But there's Absolutely. also uh you know there's there's pedigree I think Cejudo, even though he lost rather quickly to Demetrius Johnson well, and the the wasn't necessarily uh, an, a non-notable opponent this is an olympian
1: no and everyone 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 was saying that henry was going to be his biggest test but when he loses to him all of a sudden he wasn't tough competition an undefeated uh olympic champion the youngest olympic champion i think uh, uh ever in wrestling from the u.s i mean come on the, the reality is people who know what they're watching realize that there is uh, an incredible amount of depth at flyweight they are very skilled very athletic fighters uh, all of whom Demetrius Johnson has beaten, some of whom have really challenged him. He's been dropped multiple times. These guys can get to him. He just he's he's dominated guys. Uh, over the course of five rounds he's dominated people and beaten them quickly he's had to come from behind he's had to take damage and then overcome that he you know like he's he's won in just about every way you can win uh which shows he's been tested in many different ways which would lead you to believe that it's competitive and on some on the aggregate he has a bunch of wins and so it's it's dominant but he's definitely been challenged and and again if you know what you're looking at like and slack i don't know the man but i like his work um he you know he he knows what he's looking at it seems like uh from his analysis and yeah these are good fighters like they're not there's a there's a reason uh wilson hayes was so uh, upset about being submitted cuz he's an incredible uh submission fighter yeah. right there's a reason guys like he has a jiu-jitsu background uh yeah i mean and he's, demetrius he's a johnson one. beat him yeah? with an armbar i don't think anybody expected that going no and 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 man just a quick note on this the straight armbar from the mount in mma is incredibly hard to do. There's a reason you don't see many people other than Demetrius Johnson or Hicks and Gracie 15 years ago pull it off. It's actually really, really tough. I can get into why it is. It's tough to hit it. Think about it. There's not many straight arm bars from the mount that we see. Um, fans, let us know what your favorite ones are. You probably have to search it on uh, SureDog Fight Finder to see a bunch of them, but it's actually really tough to do. You lose your top position. It, like, it's a tough thing to finish. Demetrius hits it. Um, he's, he's very well-rounded, and he's beating great, fi- he's beating great fighters. So yeah, I think that's a facile argument. Good good on you and good on Jack Slack for poking holes in that.
0: Right. And one of the crazy, the interesting things is he's just so quick. Like to watch him start yeah. doing the next thing and to see somebody trying to um fight it off, like it's just like he's a robot. Like yeah. he just goes. Like he's just doing things. And I don't really, it's like is he even <laughs> thinking about it? Like, you know, not in the moment. Listen, says sure. this and all the you know, he's already moving and shifting into a different position and it seems like he's going so fast that people are just it's just laying there yeah letting it happen right because he's doing it so quickly (laughs) it's like i don't even think that their mind can compute what's happening because he's already done it before they recognize that
1: he's doing it that's that's the key right anytime someone it's like with any other sport if you get crossed over real bad you know and you look stupid it's not because you're bad at basketball in the nba it's like that (laughs) that dude or that chick you know, anticipated your move and was able to move faster than you in a different direction uh, and make it happen. If you beat someone and get wide open, it doesn't mean that cornerback is not like a good NFL quality cornerback. It means you, you know, you 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 had the technique, you had the foresight, you had the quickness to to cut, you know, or uh, or had to you know complete a pattern to get open. And I think you're right. That's a good point. People look at it and like, oh my gosh, you know. These guys aren't even – they're not good when they see them only fight Demetrius Johnson because he's just having his way with them. But it's amazing. He's fast everywhere, Mike. Like, he's, he has good foot speed. He has great uh, uh, takedown entries. He's fast in his transitions on the mat. Like, he has fast hands. He has fast kicks. its He's fast everywhere. its its uh, And his timing is great too, which is – I get it's different than speed. But, yeah, its it's amazing the speed at which he works. And I bet he's not thinking about it in the moment. I think he trains that way. And his body just reacts to it, which is a testament to his abilities and his training as coaches. But yeah. The speed of his everyone that appreciates him always brings up that speed. It's it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's and, and it's speed with technique, right? Like he's not going fast and being sloppy. He's like tight as he's Right. He's fast. not coming
0: in, you know, like crazy
1: yeah. and right. world star videos right. just swinging. Exactly. He's a, he
0: knows what he's doing. He's just his his, he's gotten that instinctual where, you know, you talk about, fighters talk all the time about being able to train and just rely on that mm. muscle memory. It's just like that's what's just happening. It's just like he lets it take over. It's amazing. Um, it really is amazing to watch. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him going forward in the future. Uh, this weekend we have Cub Swanson fighting Artem Lobov right. in the main event of UFC Nashville. We're about to get our next guest on the line, uh, Matt Schnell. He's make, uh, he's fighting his second UFC fight on that card. We weren't able to get a hold of Rafian Stotts and. Uh, So unfortunately, it doesn't look like he's going to be making it to show. But um, Schnell's fighting on the card. A lot of people giving this card some uh, grief Mm -hmm. or criticism on social media because Artem Lobov is uh, co-main or main eventing with Cub Swanson. Um, You know, I can't remember which fighter said it, but I'm pretty sure some fighter tweeted something to the effect of that. Uh, He's only on this. He's or maybe it was Cubs. It's Cubs, wants said, said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he's the, uh, only in a main event because he's Conor McGregor. I think
1: he said he's only in the UFC. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong, yeah. but yeah, uh, I don't agree. But yeah, that's Cubs comes even Cubs trashing the, the the main event right <laughs> yeah but he didn't get
0: straight into the ufc he did have to go through the ultimate fighter so yeah exactly he was allowed to earn his way but he definitely earned his way and he's given a, he's a 500 fighter sure in a main event against somebody who's been a perennial contender it seems, right it does seem kind of like
1: yeah i mean this in basic cable happens sometimes right like you i don't <laughs> you want to Nashville on a Saturday night in uh, in April, in between or right be- a few weeks before a pay per view. Sometimes you're going to get that. I think it's an interesting main event. I think it's not a. I think there's other fights on that card that are could make a better argument for being a main event, um, or uh, are just as good of an argument. So I think it's. I think it's actually a card with a lot of good fighters. I'll watch Artem Lobov fight anytime. I'll especially fight a guy like Cub Swanson who will probably stand with him. I think that's going to be a great fight. So they yeah. think that. It's a great fight. Uh, and, and you know, Cub, it's an opportunity. Maybe if he's right that Lobov is so below him, then it's a showcase opportunity to get back up in the scene and, and climb the rankings again. Uh, Allian and is coming back for the first time in a long time after a lot of injuries. He left, and he was scratching at that that top five, in my opinion. He had a lot of injuries, battling with the UFC. looked like he was going to walk away or was willing to walk away. He's back, and he's fighting Diego Sanchez, who – Probably, in my opinion, shouldn't be fighting anymore, not because he's not a great fighter, he is, but just because of damage he's taken. But he looked great in his last fight against Jim Miller. That's an exciting fight. Got Joe Lozon fighting, and he could be fighting anybody, and it's a great fight, but he's fighting Stephen Ray, who's a really good prospect out of Scotland. Um, so there's good fighters on this card, and if you have FS1, and not everyone does, but if you have it and it's already included in what you're overpaying for cable. Hmm. It's a pretty good thing to watch if you got no other plans or no hot dates, right? Or if you can't invite you can't convince your hot date to watch it. So, yeah, it's a strange, you know, main event. Like it's not going to break records for um for ratings probably, but uh but I think it's good fights. I think there's good fighters on it. Um so, yeah, I hear what people are saying. It's not a it's not a marquee main event. That's true. That's true.
0: And for those of you who are on the Twitter uh, one Elias Cepeda will be there. He's coming. I mean, he works for you need a list to keep <laughs> tracks of the place he work. But recently joining Flow Combat, yeah. we celebrated one year. Congratulations yeah, yeah. to the folks at Flow, yeah. group, uh, it's, Flow it's, Combat.
1: It's Flow Combat and it's here. And that's that's pretty much it, man. And uh, a big congrats
0: to Dwayne Finley. He's a fan sided friend for, uh, you know, his one year there and everything that he's done. Um, and that nice. yeah, he, uh, did a few pieces for us. He did it. If, if any of you have time to Google and look it up, he did a really cool thing with, uh, Ronda Rousey. That's probably one of my favorite pieces we've ever run about Star Wars and her. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good that one. Yeah. So that's, uh, something you can check out, um, if you have time, but anyways, back to UFC Nashville. Um, it, it's a card. I think that's getting a little slept on. Maybe there's some mm-hmm. fatigue. It's the third fight, <laughs> uh, third weekend in a row. That's true. Of fights, um, with, uh, you know, the UFC 209, and then consequently with the Demetrius Johnson fight. So Mm -hmm. uh, there could be some of that, but uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, I believe we have our next guest, Matt Schnell, on the line. Matt, are you there? I am. Hey, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us during fight week. Uh, you got weigh-ins in two days. I'm sure you're cutting weight and hating life right now. Uh, So thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us.
2: No, thank you for having me. I'm actually doing just fine. You know, weight cut's going all right, so uh, nothing too crazy.
0: Is the weight cut usually uh, something that you struggle with, or do you have it down to a science?
2: You know, it's always a struggle. I'm a I'm a, I'm a big 125 uh, pound fighter, but uh, you know, I've I've kind of learned how to trick my body into doing things over the years, and I think after this fight, though, I will probably invest in some professional help.
0: Mm. Would if you if professional help wasn't so financially prohibitive to get, would you have sought it sooner?
2: Oh, of
1: course! Yeah, of course. Now, you're Matt. This is Elias, and again, thanks for being on, man. You're correct me if I'm wrong. Your first UFC fight was against Rob Font, and that that was at Bantamweight, right?
2: That was a Bantamweight. It, I took it on about six days'
1: notice. That's what I was. That's exactly what I was going to ask. I was assuming you you took it on on short notice. I, what's the What's the pressure that just to help fans understand why why fighters would do that, like to take a fight on short notice to fight? You know, a guy that's already been in in the promotion for a while to fight up a weight class. What's the pressure that you feel as an up-and-coming fighter to fight anyone at any weight at any time when the UFC comes calling? Or What is it that you felt that, that made you do that?
2: Well, just understand that this is everything I ever wanted. You know, I've worked my whole career to get to this point, to get to the UFC, so that I can showcase my skills. Also, I like my chances in a fist fight, <laughs> you know, and we we put it out there that we were willing to move up to 35 that wasn't an accident the, the UFC didn't ask me uh, to do something crazy out of the ordinary and I did it you know it, it, we were putting that in their ears there was uh, there was a lot of pressure you know I I'd never taken a fight on such short notice so I definitely felt the nerves but like I said I like my chances in a fist fight I went in there to win you know and on any given day I can I, I feel like I can beat uh, high level competitors I train all the time I stay busy I stay in the gym I work hard so yeah sure there's there's always pressure when you're gonna get in there with a highly trained uh, dangerous guy such as Rob Funk but I promise you I went in there with the intent to win I went in there fully confident
0: do you as a fighter looking to make the leap is it kind of just understood like hey I'm gonna get a call and it's gonna be on short notice most likely so I just got to try and find a way to stay ready the, to the best of my ability at all time
2: yeah, no, I mean that's where we were, for sure. Coming off the Ultimate Fighter and everything, we knew that, you know, my name was one one of the ones up, you know, high on the list to to get the call. So I I was aware that I needed to uh, be in the gym and be sharp.
1: And it, Matt, you, you train at uh, ATT, right? Yes. Yeah, and when did you when did you make the move there? I'm actually not familiar. Like, when did you go to Florida and decide to to do that? Because you're from uh, Louisiana.
2: From Louisiana, yeah, I, I uh, you know, it was right after UFC 171. Um, I watched I watched Robbie Lawler fight, Johnny Hendrickson. Uh, Justin Scoggins fought Will Composano, and I was a part of Scoggins' camp. I went out there and helped him out for 10 days and went to Dallas, watched the event, saw saw Scoggins perform like, uh, you know, it was an incredible performance he, he put on against a guy who I had a lot of respect for in Will Composano. I watched this guy come up my whole career. And, uh, you know, after that, I just said to myself, dude, I, I should be in there. I should be fighting in the UFC, too. There's no reason why I can't make this happen. So I packed everything I owned in the back of my Toyota Prius, and I hit the road. And I've been at American Top Team ever since. It was, uh first time I tried American Top Team was February of 2013, maybe. So it's or February of 2014. And so it's, it's been three years at American Top Team now
0: so for a fighter coming up in louisiana is it just kind of a, a situation where you realize at some point you're going to have to leave to go to one of these bigger gyms to if you want to take the next step
2: now, i will say this i learned how to fight in louisiana you know i built my skill sets in louisiana between uh tim crater and jake dement boxing and, and brent mason and donnie aaron these guys all had a hand in creating the the fighter that i became i learned how to fight in Louisiana. I needed training partners and bodies and like-minded people, and that's why I had to make the move. Uh, it, can it be done? Absolutely. But you just you just need a good group of people around you guys who are motivated. And, you know, look at how many people are from Shreveport, Louisiana, who fight in the UFC. You know how many there are? There's one, and it's me. So it's like you got go to go to find the place where people are doing what you're doing and interested and uh, supportive of what you're doing
1: as well. How much confidence? Does, on that note, then I'm imagining a lot. But how much confidence does it give you to have those sparring partners at American Top Team who are UFC veterans, you know, champions every day? Like when, even before you made your UFC debut, is, is that what is that what let you know? Yeah, no, I'm ready for this because I go against you know fighter X, Y, and Z who, and I see what they're doing out there.
2: You know, I've always hang kung tough with the best guys everywhere. Any. Even when I was younger and I would get rounds with high-level guys, I would always perform my best against the best guys. So, yeah, you can take some confidence away from a number of the years. I'm sure I have. But, you know, it's, it's also you can also kind of lull yourself into a false sense of security because mm. no matter who you train with or what you've done in the gym, you've got to perform on the night of the fight. And uh, you can pull some, some confidence from it, go with some high-level guys. But it's important not to take too much confidence from it because it can get you – and get you beat
1: up. Who Who are some of your main coaches at at uh, ATT? We've had a number of them like Mike Brown, Dean Thomas on, on on the show a lot. Like, who are some of the guys that that you work with the daily the most? Uh,
2: all of these guys have a hand in what I'm doing, but you know, Mike uh, Mike Brown especially. Um, my my kickboxing coach is Steve Bruno. That's who I work my kickboxing with mostly. But I mean, we have a great staff of coaches at American Top Team. They have all Put in some type of work with me at some point in this camp. Dean Thomas is the head coach; makes my schedule. I hit pads with him twice a week, you know. So all of these guys have recognized that uh, I'm a guy that's capable. Not only that, but I show up and I work hard. So they've all had a hand in it. Uh, Steve Bruno has, since I've got to American Top Team, he's been a part of, of my team and my my camps. This guy's always taking care of me, always taking me seriously. So.
1: I want to give a special thanks to Steve Bruno. That's awesome. It, you're, the, your your obviously didn't end the way you wanted, and you know you're you're not a guy that's lost very often at all. You rarely lose, uh, and I and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the only time in your MMA career um, that you've been TKO'd, and, I, and I'm curious about the mental side of it. Was it easier mentally for you to come back from that type of stoppage as opposed to a decision or a submission or something because you're like, hey, I just, you know, I got caught and you know, at short notice. Or is it is it tougher to come back from uh, now that you've had it, like a TKO or a knockout mentally, just to get right and get right. confident and all that?
2: Listen, it's always tough to take an L. You know, I had dark days after that. I, I definitely uh, had to reflect back on some things and ask myself what exactly I was doing. Um, but, you know, this is fighting. I have almost 30 fights under my belt now. And I would say probably eighty percent of those fights I've, I've finished in the first round. So you just gotta understand that this is the game. Fighting is not fair. Fighting's you know it's it's not the guy who works the hardest or deserves it more. Sometimes it just works out the way it does. And you know what can you do? You can't you can't hate it. It's it's the game. I've done it to so many people. I've walked into so many people's hometowns where. They've had huge groups of people there for them to watch them. Not gone and put putting them away in a minute, a minute and a half. Like think about how embarrassing that is. So things come full circle, you know, and it, it just tests you. You just gotta you just gotta take it for what it is. This is fighting. This is this is what I love. This is what I've done for so long, and I can't I can't uh, you know I can't fall apart when I when I take an L. How many L's have I handed out? Yeah, a lot.
0: So going into this fight, you you have time to prepare a full training camp, you uh, know your opponent, you can do research because you're not trying to cram everything into six days. What are you you looking to exploit in Hector Sandoval's game going forward? Uh, You know, I think you outstrike him, I think you're a better grappler. Is it kind of one of those things where you just know wherever he wants to let the fight go, you can control it, or is there somewhere you're trying to push it?
2: Well, you know, I recognize where he's most dangerous, and we're just trying to stay safe in those areas uh but for the most part i feel like i have an advantage uh, especially in size and speed and things of this nature the kid's a competitor and he comes to win and i'm not taking him lightly by any means but um i have i have so many ways to to finish this thing i have so many ways to to put this away you could sit there and try to uh try to guess what i'm going to finish this fight with but there would be no way for you to know if hector sandoval finishes fight he finishes it with a guillotine that's the only way he finishes it you know, how many submissions do I have? Go and look at my record. All different: arm bars, guillotines, rear naked chokes, triangles, star chokes. I've got I've got such a repertoire. You know, there's no way to prepare for every uh, every submission that I'm capable of. So uh, we're just gonna try and stay safe. Let the fight play out. Have fun out there. I love this, you know. I love fighting. I love this thing, and uh, I look forward to it. It's going to be a challenge, but I I look forward to uh, rising to the occasion.
1: I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm actually uh, I'm driving down to Nashville to cover the event uh, there in person, mm-hmm. so I'll have to yeah, I'll have to say what's up uh, w- when I'm out there. But yeah, it's going to be a good one. We were talking earlier, Matt, like about a lot of fans on the internet seemingly sleeping on this card. They're like, oh, the main event isn't like you know too champions or whatever and what we were talking about is like listen if unless you got a hot date out there there are a ton of really good fights and good matchups and this one right here the one you're involved in is, is a great example of that whether or not casual casual fans know your name yet you know if they watch your fight i, I i'm quite positive one way or the other you're going to leave an impression it's going to be an exciting one. two, two really good flyweights out there so yeah this is uh this is a car that that I don't think people should sleep on again unless you got unless you got a graduation party or a wedding or something. People should should tune in, man. Do you do you like when people underestimate you? Do you not care? Does it not really go into your psychology at all?
2: You know, there was a time in my life where there was no way to be underestimated. There was no way to sneak up on people. I had a huge target on my back. A lot of people were gunning for me coming off of uh the first reality TV show that I was on. So you know, I, I kind of relish in in the ability to fly under the radar. It's not something that I've always been able to do, and uh, for me, it's it's kind of a blessing right now. I'm mean, fine. Y'all, y'all don't expect much from it. Great, you know. I can't speak for the rest of the car but I can speak for myself. Tune in. Make sure you watch that first fight on the Fight Pass prelims because I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna fight my heart out. And I, I can't sit here and promise that this is gonna happen or that's gonna happen. But I will. I will try my best. My best effort will be put out there, so tune in and watch it. I've never been in a boring fight. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys who brings excitement every single time. So, I, like I said, I can't speak for the rest of the card. You know, I'm going to be sitting there watching it with you, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I promise you, my fight will be one to watch.
0: The, he's not lying. He's uh, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, one decision only yeah. out of your all your wins.
1: That's crazy. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. It's a lot of submissions and
0: KOs. K- uh, you mentioned watching the fight later. Are you expecting to kind of just hang backstage and watch on a screen? or Are you trying to sneak out into the crowd?
2: Well, oh, my family will be there. We'll see. You know, I'll settle down. I'll cool down. You know, and enjoy the moment a little bit. But yeah, I'll probably come out. You'll see me. And then we're gonna go find us a dance floor later on that night.
0: And yeah, boy. It with
2: me and my fiance. Let's <laughs> go.
0: Are you big country dance, uh, country fans? Is this line dancing we're talking oh, yeah. about? Oh, yeah. Well, I can do it all. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm from Texas, so I can relate to that. I can appreciate <laughs> Oh, yeah. Listen,
2: listen, I'm a way better fighter than I am. a way better dancer than I am a fighter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to take you up on that, man. We'll, uh, the, my wife's driving down there, too. we got some friends. We'll have to find you guys afterwards, hopefully uh, celebrate and see you busting a, a second move out there, man.
2: Hell you know, yeah, I'll be the one in the rhinestone suit With the beautiful blonde <laughs> next to me
1: That's wonderful, <laughs> lucky man, that's
0: awesome uh, Thank you so much for taking the time out To uh, talk to us today let, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media
2: uh, Yeah, y'all follow me At Danger underscore Cage That's on Twitter and Instagram My Facebook fan page is my Danger Schnell Y'all give me a follow uh, This is The Ascent We're going to get this thing going
0: He's just getting started Thank you again for taking the time out to talk to us Thanks Matt Thank you Appreciate you guys. What an interesting person. Yeah, that's awesome. What a great, man. great fighter. Yeah, he, and he's he a is. country music fan yeah. and a fan <laughs> of the uh, country dances. So that speaks to me personally. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm engaged and we're going through wedding, and yeah. I don't know, I didn't know this was a thing, but you go through things that you want on your playlist. So she's not she's from Chicago, so she's not necessarily a country <laughs> music fan. So there's a little beefing there and I'm like, you just trust me, let's yeah. just go with this. I'm looking forward Fun to seeing what you pull out, man. I don't know if you knew this or if people who watching at home. Uh honky tonks. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a bar where country music dancing would take place. The bar in a, a, maybe what some might deem a more authentic honky tonk. Mm-hmm. This isn't the case in all of them. Uh, the da- the bar is in the middle of the dance floor. No kidding. Yeah. And you go in a circle around uh, the bar. So like if you two-step, you two-step in a circle around the bar. So there's some bars like in Dallas that I've gone to where there's a dance floor, but it, it looks like a track like at a high school. <laughs> That's so crazy. And, and, and it's raised up. So, like, there's, like, a ledge, and then there's banisters around it, and then there's, like, certain points where you can try and get across to the bar, and there's people who – there's just people sitting and drinking in a bar at the middle watching this all go around, and there's just people doing laps. That's cool. I never knew that. It's a good time. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, this is in Nashville, and now I kind of wish I could go to see Matt Schnell cut (laughs) a rug, but it's interesting. It's definitely a different experience. This isn't like going to any kind of club and watching people – dance uh, for those <laughs> right. listening at home i did air quotes but air quotes um,
1: kind of sending air quotes yeah but
0: <laughs> and it's interesting of course the line dancing is uh, something that's really um fun to watch too i'm n- i'm not good at the line dancing <laughs> mostly because i don't ever remember what to do but you can watch it and you can pick it up and do it it's pretty cool uh, to watch. just make sure that somebody videotapes it and we tweet out you dancing yeah to well i'm gonna have it. To if find you try
1: a buggy for his number i'll be in touch with him out there we'll try to get video of him if if, if things go well for Matchnell and he's on the line uh and out there dancing. We'll we'll try to get footage of them.
0: Well, thank you um again for tuning in to another episode of Extra Rounds. Sorry we could could, could not get rafian Stotts on the line. We'll get him. Uh we'll we'll maybe get him on later to Great talk dude. about his big win. Uh it was really impressive for those of you who didn't watch Victory uh, FC 56. It's on UFC Fight Pass if you missed it. Fighting Rob Emerson, UFC vet. This guy I watched it. It was an impressive performance mm-hmm. i think i think one judge didn't give him all five rounds yeah, yeah um i mean just about as dominant as it can you can see there's one point i think it going into the may the, probably the fourth round or maybe the fifth round where right before the round starts he just lets out this like roar from his gut that he knew, knew he had won the fight us uh, but i mean just about as dominant as a decision can get uh, so big congratulations to him! That's a huge moment for him. I really was looking forward to seeing if he actually got to keep the belt because we were talking about that well, last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, we'll have so, to we'll have to ask
1: him about it. we'll, we'll it you know, happens. Get down to the
0: mystery of that. Yeah, yeah, we'll so, we'll, we'll get
1: it done. Sometimes uh, guys they they mean well and they were like, yeah, I'll do it. Like I'll be on two days after this happened with Dustin Poirier, and just is such a whirlwind that they just you know they they miss it and then they come back on right. later. So and there's we'll, we'll
0: so so much going on for him. You know, yeah. I texted him and asked him if he could come on the show, and then he's uh, you know watching the UFC event in Kansas City uh with seats I think he got from Dana White cool. or the UFC or something you know so I'm sure he's uh, been making the rounds and it just got lost in the shuffle so no more uh, stories to ask him for when we signed yeah. yeah maybe there's something really cool going on right now that we hope can so out. but thank you again for tuning in and watching another edition of Extra Rounds make sure to uh subscribe in iTunes Google Play we're on Block Talk Radio now um, anywhere wherever you listen to podcasts subscribe we're there uh, if you want to watch we always stream live on the sports illustrated mma facebook page it's just com slash sports illustrated mma wednesdays 2 p.m central 3 eastern those are the only time zones i know but noon pacific is that right yeah noon pacific yeah. one mountain time i guess <laughs> um, that's right so just make sure to tune in and watch we try to have at least one guest on every week uh, we're gonna start working on next week's guests maybe it Ruffian's thoughts will be one of them uh, for next week's episode. Uh, but make sure to follow Extra Rounds on Twitter as well, and we will get um, those announcements out as soon as we can. But thank you again for everyone tuning in. See you all next week.